0: Well, it's my favorite time of year, and just to remind you, as I said a while ago, we have a Christmas Eve service here. It'll be a very short one, just around about an hour, uh, with songs that we all sing and some special songs that will be sung to you, a time of reflection and praise that I think will help get our minds set on Christmas Eve. It's 5.30 uh, on Christmas Eve, so that would be Wednesday this year. I, I, and I had to bring that up because somebody did actually ask me a few weeks ago. They said, are you are going to have a Christmas Eve service? And I said, yes. And they said, uh, when are you going to have it? And I said, well, 5.30. And they said, no, the date. And I went, um, we're, we're going to do it on the 24th this year. <laughs> we're just, we're, we're wild and crazy that way. You've heard about Fourth Avenue. They just, anyway, oh, that's, um. Somebody asked me this morning, they said, how do you say Merry Christmas in Scotland? Uh, we, we don't. We say Happy Christmas, and you don't have Santa Claus. You have Father Christmas. But if you're in the north, you don't even say uh, Merry Christmas or Happy Christmas. You say Nole Creel. It's in the Gaelic. But we won't have a test on that later. I was thinking of that, actually, because while I was uh, practicing for Christmas Eve, I talked about plugging into an amp. And if you're a musician, you know about the uh, Fishman Loudbox. A brand. Well, the guitarist I was talking to evidently didn't, and he said, "Do you have an amp?" And I said, "Yes, I, you know, I have a loud box." And he and he looked at me oddly. And after a while, he goes, it's, "What is a? Is that like an amp?" And I went, "Yes, it's it's a loud box." And he, "Is that a Scottish word for it?" And no, I "No, we don't say right. We have a guitar. We're going to get a loud box." You know, no, it's um. <laughs> we do have a different word for everything, but we do have the same same Mary and I wanna talk about Mary today. Now, as you know, if you're a visitor, you don't, we answer questions that are put into boxes if they're about the lessons. And uh, if, if not, we put them aside and we answer them later in questions or columns or blogs or the like. Now, there's one, and I'm hoping, cause at the end it says, just saying. And in America, when you say, just saying, that means, it could mean, uh, I'm, I'm taking you to school and but but don't, don't don't be offended or it could mean kidding it could mean bless your heart <laughs> but they um, it, it, it censored, we don't have a sarcasm font I'm not really sure how to read this one um, it it says all right may as well just go ahead and do this as you said in sermon Mary was 13 or 14 around there, not married had baby Jesus in a barn You told in detail, you know, angels rejoice, Jesus was a hero. I'm still afraid it's a bad example for teens. Oh, I hope you're kidding. Um, Nobody is going to look at the life of Mary and say, Oh, I'm going to go out and have sex, get pregnant, and God will bless. No, because that's not the story. The story is so remarkable because she was a virgin. She was a pure young girl, and God called her to do this had another question on the card, much simpler. How do we know when it's God who's telling us to do stuff? Excellent question. I don't know. <laughs> it is incredibly complicated. It's an incredibly personal thing. However, if you're a 14-year-old girl, never had sex, or a serious boyfriend, and suddenly you're pregnant, go with it. That, um, because that's going to have to be something done off-site that was done by God that wasn't done by you this is a um, and by the way that the, how do we know it's God that's trying to tell us something is a very serious question and it does deserve a few sermons and we will get to that but to be very honest all of us struggle sometimes don't we is this my voice I'm hearing is it God or is it the devil and it's hard to sort it out and so we'll, we'll work on that later But let's get back to Mary to be honest I didn't give Mary much thought for most of my life. I knew she gave birth to Jesus, but to me, she was basically just a spiritual UPS delivery system. That attitude was encouraged by the teachers and preachers in my my churches. She was almost never mentioned. And in fact, most of the time when Mary was mentioned, she was mentioned as a way to condemn what the Catholics do with Mary. She was never mentioned on her own. It was, you know, isn't that all quite silly, what the Catholics do with Mary thing. And so we didn't mention her at all. The Catholics mentioned her too much, and somewhere in the middle, I guess we thought that averaged out just right. But I want to talk about Mary. A few years ago, ABC did a special on Mary, and people who had seen Mary or had had encounters with Mary. And those who saw her described her as being unbelievably beautiful, with fair skin and light intense blue eyes and I'm sitting back going you saw what you were expecting because a young Jewish girl couldn't can be very very beautiful the idea that she might have blue eyes and light skin very unlikely you were you saw what you were expecting and i I, I don't argue against people's experience I don't make fun of people's experience but it's easy to look at this and dismiss all things about Mary and that would be a mistake I wasn't looking for Mary but I found her somewhat by accident because I was looking for Jesus I found Jesus but I also noticed that somebody was next to him a lot Mary she's a lot more in the Bible than you might think she is I I was quite surprised, actually, whenever I found out how many places she is. It was Mary who told Jesus it was time to show people who he was. Do you remember? Jesus was just at the wedding. It was her that went to him and said, it's time. And he even said, it's not time. But then he agreed with her that it was time. She must have been a formidable woman. When he changed the water to wine and announced a new and exciting kingdom, a kingdom free from the bathwater of previous religions. It was Mary that started that. It was Mary who made sure the servants filled them to the brim. Do you remember that? The jars. As he told them, fill those with water. It was her who said, fill it to the brim. Made sure because Jesus didn't. They did, and that's not the tradition. Somebody had to tell them to do it. The only person we could that that had to have been Mary. It was Mary who was standing beside him several times, especially in the book of John, when people look at Jesus and make fun of him, saying, We know who our father is. You see, nobody believed Mary's story, not even her own kids. Nobody believed her story about how she got pregnant, about what the angel said. This, you know, of course Elizabeth would have, but Elizabeth wasn't there. She was on her own. Her life was turned upside down. Jesus was gone. I'm sorry, Jesus was there. Joseph was gone. We don't know why Joseph was gone. There's no early good tradition and absolutely no history to explain where Joseph went. But he's gone. I, I hear a lot of people say, well, he probably died. And you know, it's a bad situation when... Him dying is the best of all possible possibilities. There's at least a really good chance he just left because he could not get jobs, could not perform as a tzaddik. Uh, the scripture called him Sadek, a righteous man. But he could not perform as a righteous man in the temple and in the, in the synagogue because nobody believed the story about his wife under jewish law he could leave her anytime not just after he finds out but years later he could leave did he there are many who say he did there's a time here where jesus is teaching and the bible says your family is here for you do you remember that and he turns and he goes no my family are these that are listening to me what's going on the rabbis tell us, we miss this because we don't get the context. Mary was already with them. It would have had to have been older brothers coming, coming not, not older to Jesus, but older in the family coming to shut Jesus up, shut this down, get him out of there. Stop this nonsense. Mary and Jesus are there and here come her sons to say, we're taking over. This has got to stop. Jesus won't stop. Her life was full of embarrassment, sadness, isolation. Who do you talk to about this? Some of you have been in wars. Horrible war. All wars horrible, but you actually, you weren't way back in the line somewhere, and that's a great place to be as well, important place, but you're on the front somewhere. Who do you talk to? There, you have to talk to somebody who's been there Or they don't get it. Who has been there for Mary? Nobody. She's isolated, rejected, slandered, laughed at, disbelieved by her own children. She saw the smirks. She saw the judgment every day of her life. And then just to cap it off, Jesus is taken, brutalized, stripped naked and humiliated in front of his community his family, and his mother. Even on the cross, I've seen the pictures of the cross, the paintings that have it way up high. You need to know something. No Roman ever put a person on a high cross. The crosses, your feet were within inches of the ground. Right there. And the Bible says she didn't leave. She stayed right by him. So in the end, I found Mary. And then I found her prayer. And as we approach Christmas, we need to hear Mary's voice. We need to hear what she thought when the angel talked to her. What she knew. This young girl was incredibly well-versed in Scripture. She was not your average kid. She knew her Bible she has a prayer in tradition we call this prayer the Magnificat it's even sung but I want to read it to you out of Luke chapter 1 starting at verse 25 26 I can't read more notes in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph A descendant of David the virgin's name was Mary the angel went to her and said greetings you who are highly favored the Lord is with you Mary was greatly troubled at his words we'll talk about why in a bit and wondered what kind of greeting this might be but the angel said to her do not be afraid Mary you have found favor with God you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Wow. This Mary, who is this Mary? What's she going, how is she going to react? Let's think about this. Who wouldn't want to hear that the Lord highly favored them? I would love to get that message. Would you not? God just show up somewhere in the middle of the night and say, just want you to know you're doing fine. We're all with you. We like what you're doing. We would all like this. But then we wouldn't be walking by faith. I get that. But why, when she was told you're doing fine, was she greatly troubled? Because she knew her Old Testament. You need to know something, church. I have read, oh, at least a dozen articles in the last few months of churches lamenting that their people have zero knowledge of the Old Testament. And it makes me grin because we're preaching through it. And we hear people, and in these articles it'll say, I grew up in a church and never heard a sermon out of the Old Testament. We need to know our Old Testament. Mary knew it. And she knew what we now call Judges chapter 6. When an angel appears to Gideon and says the same words, you are highly esteemed. Or to Daniel and says the same words, you are highly esteemed in heaven. And that never has worked out to a pleasant, easy life. Ever. Kids, kids, wherever you are, there's some over here. If your teacher ever looks at you and say, you have incredible potential, you know this is not going to go well. Right? They never say, and you're living up to it, congratulations, here's an apple. Never. It is always, when they come to to Mary and say, you are highly esteemed, she's going, wait a minute. She knows it means God believes in you and he's going to give you An assignment. Would Daniel confront the pagan king? Would Gideon take a few men and beat the vast army of the Amalekites? Mary, you have a baby in you. All right, that's not good news already. You're going to have a son Those words were also said once before. You are with child and will have a son. And Mary would have recognized the formulation of the words. It was said to Hagar, a woman cast out, thrown into the desert on her own, but told your son and his children will take care of you. You'll have a son but you'll be alone. This assignment will use you up." Mary did not reject the assignment, but she did ask, how in the world is this going to happen? And she was told it would be by the power of this Holy Spirit. Luke, in fact, mentions the Holy Spirit six times in these two chapters, which means, listen very carefully, Mary mentions him two times, six times in two chapters. Why? because early Christians are unanimous that Luke got his gospel information by interviewing Mary. Remember, Luke wasn't there. Luke came in later. Where did he get his gospel? All early Christians who write about this, everyone without exception says, Luke spent time with Mary and wrote down her story. This is her story in these chapters. When he mentions the Holy Spirit it means she did six times only by the Spirit. Do you remember Jesus' prayer in the garden? He asked in the garden that the assignment be taken from him. He was also highly esteemed in heaven and the assignment was about to use him up. And he said, if it's possible, let let this burden, this cup, this bitter thing, go away. I believe that all creation, every animal, every leaf, the rings of Saturn, the horsehead nebula, and the angels in heaven held their breath. Because I don't think God would have denied Jesus anything. And then Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, thine be done. And I believe the universe let out its breath collectively. Went, he's going to do it. I get chills thinking of it. And Mary doesn't question the spirit But here we have a similar moment in Luke chapter 1, verse 38, where she says, I'm your servant. Let it be unto me as you say. Do what you want, God, with my life. Oh, my goodness. That question that was on the card, that we'll have to examine in great detail down the road how do you know when it's God telling you things? One of the ways is it's not going to be something that you're just so excited about, you can't stand it. I had a friend of mine that everything that happened to him, God told him. God led me to, to do this, and God told me this, and God did. Now, maybe God did, but I got frustrated finally the day that he showed up with a new car. And I like new cars. i got nothing against new cars. I, I would have one every day of the week. Shows up with a new car. I said, that's a great car. And he goes, yes, God led me to buy it. I went, lucky for you then. And he said, why? And I said, because he could have led you to buy a car you didn't like. But, wow, the very one you wanted. (laughs) God gives you answers that you're not looking for and sends you places you would not go. I have spent, I've told my wife, I believe with all my heart, as I was being raised from the waters of baptism, God whispered in my ear, Oh, the places we will go. And I didn't understand that until later, when I keep looking about and going, All right, this doesn't feel good. Why am I here? Mary says, Luke 138. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And she has to leave her village immediately. Have you noticed that in Scripture? The village will not accept her. She has a person of bad reputation. She has to leave immediately. She goes to stay with the only other person who can understand and believe what's going on. And it's a woman who's also pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit because she has an old husband, and that's not going to work. But she goes to Elizabeth, her cousin, who says, "I, I get that. I'm the only person who can, but I get it. And then she prays. Let's look at the prayer. Luke 1, 46. We don't get this because we're not synagogue trained, but there's a lot here that indicates Mary was exceptionally well-educated and highly intelligent. There are 12 allusions to the Old Testament in this prayer. Twelve. In fact, the prayer also seems to be modeled in form and the style and the rhythm of it on Hannah's prayer when she was told, She would have a son, Samuel, but have to give that boy to God. She would not get to keep the son. My own mother prayed that prayer and made that promise if God would give her a son. And people ask me, what made you decide to be a minister? I say, I haven't yet decided to be one. That choice was made for me by a little Irish lady who prayed to God, and God said, okay, and she kept her deal. There's a reason we read through the Old Testament. There's a reason we study the prayers of the Old Testament. Right, Brother Albert? There's a reason we read those prayers. We're going to need those prayers. Brothers and sisters, I don't know any other way to put this, and I'm just going to put it to you right now. Some of you are able to pray like that. You'll think about something and go, let's pray about that. And your words are incredible. I'm not one of them. There are times in my life where I have no words. And the only words I can pray are the words I've memorized from the prayers of the Old Testament. Or from the New Testament prayers. I use their words. I have a friend of mine who left our religious tribe and went to one that practices high church and liturgy. And I've talked to him about it. And he quoted N.T. Wright when N.T. Wright was asked, why are you an Episcopalian? And he said, I need the words. And I understood what he meant. I don't think we have to leave our tribe. I think what we have to do is read the prayers and know the prayers. She's quoting prayers of the Old Testament. She's quoting the stories. She stored up these stories, and we need to store up some Mary so that we can respond as she responded. Reading this prayer gives us some insight into how she survived that horrible, difficult life she had. And she had a great deal of steel in that little girl's body. When Hannah prayed that the poor people would be raised up to eat with nobles, Mary took it a step further Throw the rich people and the nobles down as you lift up the poor. There is militancy in this prayer, and that makes some people uncomfortable. We want Jesus gentle, meek, and mild, and we want Mary shining like a, a dollar store nightlight. We don't want, we don't want militancy. In fact, many churches have removed the militant songs from their songbooks. There's no more onward Christian soldiers. They want that gone. They're not going to sing, as we sang today, that we're, un- we're digging up the sword that has been covered with dirt. They take it all out. Mary put it right in. Throw down the nobles and the rich. Lift up the humble. She knows what's coming. In verse 48, she refers to her own position as humble, and we use that in an odd way. You know, if you go up to somebody and you go, oh, that's a nice dress, and they go, oh, that's just this old thing. We'll say, That's humble. And it might be, but to marry the word humble meant poor, lowly, of no social standing. She says, come for them. This baby, lift those people up. And what, who did Jesus lift up? The Samaritan woman, the Syrophoenician woman, the woman with many demons, the woman who was a prostitute. He lifted up the people nobody else would lift up. And he ate and drank with them as one of them, not acting like them, but loving them when nobody else would. And so others called him a drunkard. They called him a glutton. But he didn't care. He knew his mother's prayer. And then in intentional irony, she says, I'll be known as blessed. Blessed. Have you ever been told the word blessed means happy? Don't, you've, you've done, in fact, Robert Shuler even rewrote the Beatitudes and called them the Be Happy Attitudes. Are you kidding me? If you do what Jesus told you to do, you might end up on the cross. You're going to make some people angry. God bless him. Josh Graves preaches up at Otter Creek. Is my son-in-law, most of you know. he was in Africa during all of that recent hubbub here of the open letters and like he talked to me the other night he said I came in and somebody came up to me immediately and said how's your father-in-law doing is he okay and I said what'd you say and he said I laughed I said you don't know him do you he's not gonna back off and he's not afraid and he's gonna love people anyway And I was proud that that was his response because he knows other stories he could have (laughs) told. People, blessed means we're doing the right thing for the right reason for the right God. It doesn't mean you're going to feel good about it. Sometimes we need to remember Job was blessed. So was Mary. I can remember... Can you remember this little Bible school teachers telling these wee girls sitting around in the little chairs? Oh, you should live such a life that if God were to ask one of you to bear his child, he would pick you. And I think back on that now and I shudder. Little girl, are you ready for your life to become a living hell (laughs) to save the rest of humanity? Mary said yes. Her prayer is one of trust in God. She knows God can do what God says he can do. And that he can put a baby in her womb and he can lift up the fallen, even though she's a nameless, humble person and her life will be forfeit. The world will be forever changed. She's willing to lay aside, listen, her life, her reputation, and her dreams. Little girls have dreams lay it all aside because she trusts God in her prayer she rebukes Herod she rebukes nobles who feasted off the people she rejects the theology of the Pharisees who separate God's mercy from his righteousness they believed in a God of righteousness as a lot of religious people do today and not a God of mercy they believed only mercy would only be shown to the righteous she elevates mercy listen to me carefully church I've been asked by people before should we strive for doctrinal correction or for love you strive for love because that is doctrinally correct we are righteous because we are merciful you don't it's a false choice you can be righteous without being merciful but you cannot be merciful without being righteous, because she defines it that way. Which means God defines it that way. She paints a picture of a God whose mercy requires him to bring justice, and whose righteousness is wrapped up in mercy. So I found Mary. And I found her again and again as I've read scripture. I found her as I began to doubt sometimes in my own life, my own value to God. My own value to the kingdom. If you didn't know that, preachers have their doubts too. About where they stand. Or about my ability to make it through the next day. Don't think, don't wonder right now, ooh, what horrible things Patrick going through. It doesn't take much. I can get a cold and think, there is no God. Right? We struggle. What I'm saying is, I remember Mary. I don't pray to her. I don't put an image of her in my garden. But I finally understood why some do. I pray to Jesus, and Jesus is because that's who Mary always pointed to. Mary pointed to him, we will too, but Mary did not turn back from the task given her even though she understood the consequences would be severe because she trusted God. And her life caused me to trust God, too. What about you? So I'm going to ask you to do this. Would we all stand, please? Let's read Mary's prayer, the Magnificat, together as our advent for the day. And after this, we'll be led in a a hymn, a carol by Mark, who we're so glad Mark is here. We are, we are. And then we'll see each other Christmas Eve. Read with me. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, All generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen.